So Thanksgiving is, is now uh, behind us, and Christmas is kind of like that light, um, kind of in the middle of the tunnel, hopefully, kind of on the, the outer edge of the tunnel. Christmas is just a few weeks away, and so over the next four weeks, we'll be diving into a series and, and try to see how the events and the characters surrounding the birth of Christ, it begs us to adjust our priorities in our life, um, not just for the Christmas season, but, but for the days, the years, and the seasons beyond. And to start this series off, I want to ask you a timely question that, that I really, really struggled and wrestled with this past week. I'll share a little bit more about that later in the teaching. Uh, but, but here's the question, and be honest with yourself. What are your priorities during the Christmas season? We're here. It's Thanksgiving's in the past. Christmas is that next big thing. The rush is on. The stress is here. When you look at your life, what are your priorities during this Christmas season? I'm sure a lot of us, we, we have varying, differing priorities on that list, which we need to uh, accomplish in just such a short amount of, of time. Uh, decorating the house, right? Buying the gifts, getting everything arranged for Santa, uh, sending the cards, making plans. I've talked to a lot of families who they can't wait until Christmas is here and gone because then they're going on vacation, but regardless of our specific list, it feels like our priorities can go on and on and on during the season. Now, we undoubtedly have our priorities. We have our lists. But I think we also have to ask, are we prioritizing the wrong things? When we answer that initial question, what are our priorities during the Christmas season? We, we have our answer, but is that the right thing? Or are we spending a crazy amount of energy prioritizing the wrong things? In the year 2000, there was a version, uh, I think the creepiest version, I may add, of how the Grinch stole Christmas released. Uh, it was with Jim Carrey, and, and you likely know that he played the character of the Grinch. And in this movie, he, just like other versions, he continually questions the meaning of Christmas. He keeps asking and keeps wondering, what is the meaning of Christmas? Uh, meanwhile, there's another character in the movie, Cindy Lou Who, who watches with attentive you know, eyes of a child, and she watches family and friends, all of Whoville, really, and sees what they are prioritizing. And what they are prioritizing in the Christmas season is, is gifts, it's status, it's glitz, it's glamour. So this little child, she can be led to believe that this is what Christmas is actually all about. But then, as most of us know, in the Grinch story, all of those things are taken away. And once all the distractions are removed, the citizens of Whoville, they realize, finally, what Christmas is all about. And it's about something so much more than they ever understood, and they could only see it once they stripped the distractions away. Now, certainly, I know that there are many uh, things about the adaptation of the Grinch story that are, are fictitious, right? It's far-fetched. But misaligning our priorities during the Christmas season, that's as real as it gets. Misaligning our priorities during the Christmas season is as real as it gets. And for as long as I've known, and I personally think for as long as we're going to live, there will be competing priorities during this Christmas season. There's going to be all kinds of things that have the capability of distracting us from what Christmas is actually all about. And the troubling thing, what makes it difficult, is those distractions aren't necessarily bad all the time. We can prioritize many good things. We can prioritize many important things over the next month, yet miss, uh, the, the, miss out on something great. We settle for the good and the important while it costs us the great. And, and by great, I mean what the birth of Christ means to you and I and the world still today. 
In the traditional biblical Christmas story, it's one that is filled with many different characters and many different lessons. But to kick this series off here today, I want us to see in the midst of the Christmas story, there is a God who is hard at work trying to change his people's priorities. And we're going to see that specifically today uh, through the story of a man named Joseph. Now, if you've seen one of the more traditional nativity scenes, they're very popular this, this time of year. Uh, you can recognize uh, Joseph here in this photo. I think we have, yeah, try to make it easy for you. There he is. There's, there's, there's Joseph, right? Now, there's another version of the nativity scene. It's my personal favorite. It's the uh, modern-day hipster nativity scene. And you can recognize Joseph taking a selfie uh, there in the manger. And the, the longer you look at this, the better it gets. Um, I don't know if you can see the, you can't. It's gone. There it is. There's a, uh, ignore the word Joseph up there. There's, there. there's a feeding trough, right? And it says gluten-free, um, 100% organic on the beef. And then my favorite, it's barely noticeable. Um, there's a solar panel up there on the very, very modern day uh, uh, hipster. Um, now, a lot of us, no matter what nativity scene you appreciate, you know, we can think of Joseph there in the manger. He is the supportive husband. He's a supportive father. He is blessed beyond all measure as he gazes down at his newborn son. And I have personally been in that moment, many of you have as well, not in a manger, but in a hospital room. For me specifically, it was there with my wife looking down at our newborn son and then our daughter a few years later. I know others of you, you're heroes in a different way and you've accepted uh, that, that you've been a part of that moment where you accept loving responsibility over a child in various ways, whether it's adoption or fostering. And whatever those moments are, they're a blessing. It's some of the most beautiful, I think, slices of time on this side of eternity. And in the midst of those moments, our focus, our priorities, much like Joseph's, it's, it's on our family. We're fully focused on our family. But you see, the beginning of the Christmas story, it actually paints an entirely different picture. The beginning of the Christmas story, it points to other priorities in Joseph's life. So let's read about that in the book of Matthew. If you want to follow along on your, your devices or in your physical Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, moving through verse 25 today. Verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now I want to pause right there halfway between verse 18 because there's a couple of cultural things already at play here. And the first one is that during this day and age, engagement was not something to be taken lightly. And I'm not saying today that we take engagement lightly, but in this culture, it was almost as good as marriage, right? It, it didn't come with obvious, uh, let me tiptoe around here, certain relational benefits of marriage, uh, if you catch my drift. Um, but it was a serious thing, a serious commitment. And now during the engagement process, which could last no longer than 12 months, the man, in this case, Joseph, would spend almost all of his time uh, either at his job or preparing his home for the eventual arrival of his bride, in this case, Mary. But until the wedding day, Mary would have still been considered first and foremost the property of her father, and then secondly, the property of her greater family. So during this time, if we just pause right now, halfway between verse 18, halfway through it, in this scene right now, the beginning of the Christmas story, we know that Joseph has his priorities. That's preparing himself and his home for marriage. He would have had that long list of preparations as he waited for the day, whether it's a month away or 12 months away, where he would accept his bride. It's a beautiful time. What could go wrong? Well, as verse 18 continues, 
But before the marriage took place, while she, talking about Mary, was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as Joseph is, he's got his priorities, he's got his list as he's preparing for his marriage, this happens. And you and I, we've got the benefit of 2,000 years on our side, right? And hindsight's 2020. Probably a phrase will retire after this year. Um, but, but we can look at this moment and say, oh, this is a beautiful, incredible, God-ordained moment. It's so unique in the history of the world. And it is to us now, but it wasn't to Joseph then. Because we will see Joseph doesn't see it this way. He wouldn't have read verse 18 like we did if it was written for him. And I don't think many of us can blame him. So verse 19 now tells us Joseph's intentions in this dilemma. So Joseph, to whom she was engaged, he was a righteous man, so he was a good guy. He did not want to disgrace her, Mary, publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And once again, remember, in this day and age, engagement was different. Um, it was like you're already married, but you didn't have some of those relational benefits of a marriage if you catch my drift. And this is the tension. This is the center of the division between Mary and Joseph and why Joseph wants to break off the engagement. So his priorities was his bride, his home, his marriage, but now his priorities have shifted. Understandably so. But he's a righteous man. He's a good guy. He wants to break up quietly. His priority is to end the marriage because he cannot fathom being married to someone who is unfaithful to him. But he's going to try to go about it the right way. Now, ending the relationship is, a, is another significant priority. You see, if you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, the, the law which we're no longer under, you see the law demanded that an adulteress receive the death penalty. The death penalty. No grace whatsoever. More specifically, remember, she is the property of her father, and then secondly, to her family. And so the law actually required that an adulteress had to be taken to the front of her family's doorsteps. And members of the community would pick up stones, go to her house, and throw stones at her until she died. That was the law. And the reason being, the law says it, was, it is this way, because this is how you purge the evil from the town. So there's zero grace about unfaithfulness. Yet Joseph's goal is to handle this as gracefully as possible to protect his and Mary's reputation. Now, when you talk about the Christmas story, this stuff doesn't get a lot of focus. Uh, this doesn't get a lot of a, a attention when people talk about the Christmas story. But this is the Christmas story. It absolutely is, and I'm glad it is too. Personally, I'm glad there's a lot of tension in the Christmas story. Personally, I'm glad that the Christmas story is about so much more than just a silent holy night. I'm glad that the Christmas story, the real one, is filled with messy people. It's filled with imperfect situations. It's filled with families and groups and individuals who have their own priorities. Priorities that God wants to speak into, priorities that God wants to adjust. And I'm thankful that this is the Christmas story because this is often our story as well. The one thing we have to consider is, will we let our priorities be changed to reflect the will of God? We've thought about what are our priorities. We know that list, but will we allow God to come into those priorities and rearrange them to more reflect his purpose for our life? Amid everything that we have going on in the season, amid all the get-tos, the have-tos, the pandemics, and the stress, will we actually slow down enough Seek God out and ask him, what do you want me to prioritize during this season? Not what the world wants, because the world has its agenda for how we go through this season. And the tough thing is not even what we want, but what does God want us to do in the midst of this season? 
And as we will see as it unfolds in Joseph's life, sometimes what God asks people like you and I to do is pretty surprising. A lot of times when we say, God, I'm going to yield to you. What priorities do you have for me in this season? What do you want out of my life? Sometimes that answer isn't going to make a lot of sense to us. It's not something we would have guessed. It's something that seems difficult often to do. But if it's of God, then it paves the way and sets the stage for incredible things to happen. So Joseph, he's going through this shift emotionally and mentally, relationally of priorities. He's going to get married. His focus is on that. That's his priority. Well, now he's was Mary unfaithful? It's a troubling situation. So now he just wants to be, be divorced. So Joseph has his priorities. He's going to separate peacefully. But God has other plans. Verse 20, as he considered this, so as Joseph is considering how he can go about this tricky situation and he and Mary can separate quickly, or sorry, quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Matthew continues writing and says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And he's referencing the prophet Isaiah, who 800, not eight days, not eight years, not eight years, 800 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah wrote, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So Joseph, with good reason, he is seeking very earthly, very practical, even very, very personal priorities. He wants to separate. But then comes God's priority for Joseph's life. And God's priority for Joseph's life is that Joseph is going to come alongside Mary. He's going to be the ever-present father of Jesus, and he's going to have the chance to be a part of a story that is still changing the world today. But this doesn't mean it's going to be an easy decision for Joseph. In a social sense, Joseph is facing a shameful, shameful situation. Because think about the options he has. Put ourselves in in his shoes, sandals, whatever. Um, Think about what he is tasked with. If he moves forward with Mary, people would either assume he was marrying someone who had been unfaithful to him, Or if he moves forward with Mary, people are going to assume that him and Mary had some funny business going on outside of wedlock. Joseph is put between a rock and a hard place, it seems. Both scenarios, both options could cause severe and irreparable damage to not just Joseph, but their families. To the world, what God is asking Joseph to do is a lose-lose, period. It is a lose-lose to the world. And so Joseph, as, as we often are, he's at a crossroads where he must consider, well, I know what my priorities are. I, I know what God's priorities are. He's asked me to do this, but when the rubber meets the road, whose priorities are more important, his or God's? And I would ask us the same question. If, if we seek out our priorities during the season and we go to God and ask him what, what his priorities are, what, when the rubber meets the road, what are we going to choose? What's actually more important? Whose priorities are honestly more important to you and I during this season? Let's be honest. Is it ours or is it God's? And honestly, I wouldn't say I ever like answering questions like this. With the group of people I do life with, I I know them well. I think some of them are just killing it in life. There are times that we are just going about it God's way in this world. But if you're like me, sometimes this question is a pain in the rear to answer. 
This week, literally at this point in, in the teaching, I confronted myself with this question, whose priorities are more important in this season, mine or God's? And I'll be honest, that conversation with God and I, it wasn't a real good time. Uh, when I posed that question to myself, here's literally what I did. I, I stood up from the laptop, I exhaled, not in my head, and I realized right there in that moment when I gave God the space to talk to me, when I went with him with a transparent and, and humble heart saying, God, what do you want from me during this season? What's more important, my priorities or yours? He kind of nudged me and said, I think you know what it is. I think you know your priorities right now are more important than mine in this season. Just to be honest, for me, I, I was so caught up until God kind of stopped me in my tracks right there in the midst of typing this message. And, and God kind of confronted me and said, no, you're just trying to survive this season instead of trying to change hearts in this season. You're trying to get through it instead of taking other people through it. And I don't know what it is for you, but I do believe that when you ask God, God, what is it that you, that you want me to change? God, in the midst of this season, I have my priorities. I have my list, probably more than any other time of the year, but, but I want to let you in. What do you want me to do differently? You see, when I took time to consider it, God made the answer clear. And here in just a few minutes, you know, whether you're watching online or you're in the building, in the room physically with us, um, we're going to create some, some time, some space at the end of this teaching to give God a chance to speak into our transparent hearts and to really kind of figure out, all right, let's be exposed here. Are our priorities aligning with God's? Because I really do believe when given the chance, God will reveal a truer way of, of living for each of us. When we come to him in humility and say, God, where are my priorities? Are they of yours or are they of me? I believe he's going to reflect, us, reflect to us how he wants us to go about our life. But it doesn't mean it'll be easy. Much like Joseph's life, adjusting our priorities will require action on our part. Joseph's priorities were one thing. God came in and said, no, here's mine. But Joseph still had to act. He had to act on it. So verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. It wasn't enough just to know what God's priorities are. He had to actually act on it. And acting on it for Joseph and Mary, I cannot fathom what they had to endure. I cannot fathom what they had to endure as a couple simply because they were yielding to God's priorities. Think about the fingers that would have been pointed at them. The shame they would have experienced, the harsh word, the gossip, the rumors, all of that, all because they are going about God's priorities in their life. You know, I think it's real easy for us as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, it's so easy for us to think, well, if I go about God's ways, if I go about God's priorities in this world, then surely everyone's going to be accepting of it. Everyone's going to be understanding of it. But that's not always the case. Usually, it isn't the case. The world isn't always a fan of the godly way. And that's okay. Just hear me out. A world that is often far from God will often struggle to understand the priorities of God. A world that is often far from God is going to struggle to understand the priorities of God. And so as you enter into this season and, and you, you try to exchange your priorities for God's, you may have to wrestle with the fact that God may be calling you to do something that makes absolutely no sense to the rest of the world. He may be saying, you know what, you want to go about my priorities? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And you may hear that, you may feel that nudge, whatever it is, and you may think, okay, that doesn't make any sense. 
God may be calling you to act, sacrifice, give, and, and love in such a way that makes zero sense culturally, but makes perfect sense spiritually. He may be asking you to do something that, that may not even make sense to, to your own perceived way of living as well. Back to the prophet Isaiah, uh, he also wrote, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, as we, we ask God to, to align our priorities with, with, with his, his, as we feel that nudge, we have to understand that we may have no clue why he's asking us to do the things he's asking us to do. And in that moment, when it seems like, could he be asking me to do that? I, that doesn't compute here. Remind yourself, his ways are higher than our ways. It may not always make sense to us, but when you think about the Christmas story, there are so many things within the Christmas story that people like you and I, we can't wrap our mind around. But at the end of the Christmas story is one of the biggest blessings we'll ever, ever receive in this world, the arrival of Jesus Christ. And so just as Joseph had to change his priorities to be a part of Jesus' story, you and I are, are challenged today to consider and possibly change ours, to change our priorities. So somebody else may have the opportunity to have Jesus' love be a part of their story. I don't want to over-apply this, but, but maybe instead of, of focusing on all the shopping we have to do, right, maybe that's our priority. We've got to get gifts and gifts and gifts. We've got to spend all that money. Maybe we invite God into our priorities and we feel him say, what if you sacrificed a couple of gifts and you gave to that family in need? Right, perhaps our stress is, is all about and our list and our priorities like, all right, we've got to go from this house to this house to, to, to this house and make sure our neighbors don't call the cops on us while we're doing it. Um, and, you know, we got to make all these plans, go all these, all these parties. And, and maybe God's priorities for your life in this season is to say, whoa, 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 whoa. What about that family who doesn't have anyone? What about that widow who doesn't have anybody there to care for them? What about those people? Right? Perhaps uh, we're spending all kinds of time decorating the inside and, and outside of our house because that's our priority. It's got to look great, but God's saying, well, well, can we talk about the condition of your heart for a minute? Let's not put so much emphasis on what the inside or outside of your house looks like. Let's talk about your soul for a second. Maybe for you, God's priority on your life, it looks something like burying the hatchet this season offering or even humbling yourself enough to accept forgiveness and, and chart a new path forward in different relationships. And like I said, I want to overapply because it could be a number of different things. But I think we know we have our priorities and we know God has his. And there's often a wide gap between the two. And I think the story of Joseph shows us that when we align our priorities with God's, it not only impacts the world around us, but it makes a difference in our own hearts as well. It makes a difference in our own hearts as well. So as I mentioned, as we close out the teaching time today, I want to take some time to provide us with the opportunity to, to look inwardly and consider our priorities as we enter into this Christmas season. I want us to, to take some, some time to stop and seek what God may be asking us to do differently. And so we're going to provide the space and time now to align our priorities with God's. And so over the next few minutes... Whether you're here in the room, or you're watching online at home with yourself, friends, or family, what I'd like to do is to, in light of Joseph's story, 
and a shifting of priorities to pave the way for Jesus Christ to come into this world. I want to guide us through a couple of different prayers and give us the opportunity to invite God into our minds and into our hearts as here we are on the precipice of the Christmas season. So how this will work is I'll simply say a prayer and I'll allow a few moments of silence for you to consider your own personal response. And I want to let you know that, that much like a lot of spiritual moments, this can be whatever you want it to be. If this is a moment that you just want to choose to ignore and do nothing with and just sit in silence and think about where you're going to have lunch or if the Ravens are actually going to play a football game ever again, you can do that. Um, or we can sit in this time and, and humbly pray to God and, and, and wait and seek and feel his nudge have those thoughts that come in our head where we know they're of God and, and actually allow him to rearrange our hearts during the season. So this moment, next two minutes maybe, can be just as powerful or meaningless as we each individually want them to be. Let's pray together. God, um, allow us to be honest with ourselves. And God, we ask that you reveal to us what our priorities really are as we head into this Christmas season. Reveal to us in these next couple of moments what our focus is really on. God, as we confess our priorities... God, show us what your priorities are for our life during this season. Give us the vision. Like, How would you want us to live, even if it makes little sense to the rest of the world? Show us your priorities for our life. And God, lastly, we pray that you give us the courage to make your priorities ours and act on them. Because we know it's in that space where the miraculous can happen, not just in the lives of others, but in our lives too. So God, we pray right now for the boldness and courage to seek your priorities and to act on them. God, through the silence, I trust that you're speaking to each of us lovingly and, and differently because your priorities are different for each one of our lives. Yet in the end, it's all the same. Because of your great love for us, you desire us to go out and to love the world around us. God, thank you for the Christmas story that as we mentioned, it's so much more than just a holy silent night, but it's filled with imperfect people. It's filled with messy situations. And into that mess comes your son, Jesus, and into our mess, he still comes. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your priorities. May we have the boldness and courage to do what we've prayed about today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.